0: This is part two on my Sunday school lesson from this morning. I hope that this will help you to understand a little bit better. You've heard me teach on these things many times, but you're always praying for clarity of mind, that while you're talking, you say the things that need to be said, so that you dwell on the right things and pass over the things that are not as important. Did you know that knowing what not to say takes as much of the grace of God as knowing what to say? And... um, And when to dwell and when to move on. It's a very interesting thing. But if you look at this, the conflict. In our Christian life, we have conflict. People conflict with other people all the time. You have conflict in the home. You have conflict at work. You have conflict in school. You have conflict in colleges, universities. You have conflict everywhere you turn. And even in church, you can have conflict. In other words, people grinding against one another, irritating each other. Now, yesterday morning we had our Bible study, for iron sharpeneth iron. And we looked at a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10 and verse 10, and uh, talking about how that you know iron can be blunt. In other words, if you've got a blunt knife, it doesn't cut as easy. So you have to work harder at it your Christian life is pretty much the same way. Whatever the Word of God is, it can make you. If the Word of God is sharp, it can make you sharp. Powerful, it can make you powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword, so that the things you think and the things that you say is easy for you to do. And so that's why when it says, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman, that doesn't mean hacking it to death. It means with one clean, swift stroke, you can rightly divide the Word of God. It's easier when you know right from wrong. All your decisions are easy when you have settled the the most basic thing of all. You see, years ago, about 50 I recall, I made up my mind. I am going to serve the Lord regardless. Now, since that decision has been made, all the other decisions in my life are in relation to that decision. But see, if you haven't made up your mind on that decision, it's kind of like this. I joined the Navy. I go to boot camp. And the guy says, you've got to cut your hair. I say, what? I'm not cutting my hair. Well, that's one of the things you've got to do. I'm not cutting my hair. Nobody's going to make me cut my hair. You realize how long it took me to grow this? So I can battle with that. But I already know I'm going to lose. Because they're the final word. They say, okay, Arnold, this is your uniform. You go in here and you pick up the shirt, you pick up your pants, you pick up your shoes, you pick up your socks, you pick up every, uh, uh, your underwear, all these things. You go through that line, you think, well, I'm not wearing that. And I can fight with them on that. And they say, well, now we're going to chow. I'm going to bed. I can fight with them on that. You hear Reveille in the morning. Reveille, Reveille, Reveille. He might have thrice up, full off a chime, about five minutes on the double and let's go. Let's move it, move it, move it. I ain't going nowhere. I haven't got my beauty sleep in yet. I can fight with them on that. When should I have made up my mind that I was going to obey instead of having to fight all these little decisions before I ever went in? Before I signed on that dotted line and took that oath of office, I should have made up my mind. I will do whatever you want me to do. And then see, it doesn't matter what they tell me, I've already done made the decision. The rest of it's easy. But if you don't make that decision to do whatever they tell you to do, you're going to fight on everything that goes on in your life. And that's what goes on in a Christian's life. That's what happens in marriages sometimes. When should a man and a woman decide they're going to, I'm going to love my wife and provide and protect and love, all this wonderful stuff. And she's going to, yes, I'm going to yell, sweetie pie. and Yes, sir. been. Sweetie, 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 honey, 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 the honey just drooled all over the place. When should she make up her mind and be serious about it? After they get married, then she fights over everything and he does the same thing. They're supposed to have made the decision before they got married. But you have a con, con, and another con, and so two cons can't do anything for the rest of their life. So they're always battling faith. Make up your mind. I've made up my mind years ago I am going to serve the Lord. So in the midst of that, now when all these other things come up, Lord, just whatever you want, or whatever you want. Lord, you ain't got, we ain't arguing it at all. We're not fighting at all. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to do whatever he says to do. I'll go wherever he says go. I'll be whatever he wants me to be. See, so I don't have to fight it no more. So now life becomes easy because my decision's been made. But if you don't make the decision, you want to take away every one of those little decisions. Well not I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. You don't know nothing. If God is God, serve him. If he's the Lord and he claims, serve him. So you're going to battle in your Christian life. Look up here. Part two. We'll explain the conflict and the victory of Romans 7 and Galatians 5 by the stories of Mr. Law, Mr. Love, and Amalek of old. You say, we're going to cover all that today? Lord willing. All the lost are under the law. You say, who's the lost? That's all the people who have not trusted Christ as their Savior. So in Romans 3, 19, it says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That means everybody born into the world is under God's law. God's the one that says what's right. And God says what's wrong. And he says that his law is right and perfect, and there's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is, is we don't keep it. Most people don't even know what it is. You know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not play marbles. Because it said, you know, marble not. So you have all these laws, and most people have no clue what in the world all these laws are. But you and I need to understand, the law was not made for a righteous man. So why did God give the law? There wasn't a righteous man. The law was made for the unrighteous man to let us see how unrighteous we are so that nobody will trust in their good deeds to get into heaven. So, you know, you need a savior. Look at the next verse. Romans 7, 15 through 22 says, now, Paul admitted failure after about 25 years. He says, this is what I've learned, what he's gone through, what he's experienced. He says, and I added the bowl on this, for we know that the law is spiritual The law is perfect. Nothing's wrong with it. But I am carnal, fleshly minded, sold under sin. See, once you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that God has removed you from the condemnation of the law and from the condemnation of sin. And so therefore, you're free. He paid for your sin. you paid your sin debt. So you see, now as a child of God, you and I are not supposed to sell ourselves back into sin because he has made me free from it. So as a Christian, when you choose to sin, it means you yielded to those desires and you sold yourself back under slavery. You put yourself back as a slave, a servant of sin, and you did it all voluntarily So as a Christian, God says he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to yield ourselves to him. And you could yield yourself to the old sinful nature that you have. So understand there's consequences. And because of these consequences, you may not like the results. Uh, For 52 years, I have liked the results of yielding to the Lord. I don't fight with God anymore. I don't have to argue with God. I don't have to battle with God. I just, whatever God wants me to do. Whatever he wants to bring into my life, that's fine. That's fine. If he wants to bring some mean old, ugly people into my life and holler and yell and scream at me and all of that, that, that's fine. I, why, why should I care? All I got to do is just, I can handle this. Me and the Lord, we can handle this. I don't care how mean and ugly you are to me. Me and God can handle this. All I got to do is just yield to him. I don't have to battle back. I don't have to get mean and ugly back. I don't have to have revenge back. When you see it and you understand it, it will help you in your Christian life because you're going to have conflict. You have your will and there's the will of God. Well lo and behold, somebody else has the will too. They have a will to do it their way, you want to do it your way and God wants to do it his way. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody just did it God's way? I was thinking about the other day, yesterday, when talking about, I asked Peter, I says, um, you know, how do you sharpen a knife? Well, you can get a steely, and you can actually use another knife, believe it or not. Did you know that if I had a knife in my hand and he had a knife in his hand, a great big old butcher knife, you know, and we're going to sharpen these knives and, you know, or I got to go against his knife and he goes against my knife and that we can do it that way. But, you know, that's difficult. I'm just liable to cut his wrist and he's just liable to want to jump over there and cut my arm off, you know. I don't like the idea of that knife being in his hand. And by the way, qu- we're too close to each other. So, you know, there's a, a, a better way to do it. You see, if I had both knives in my hands, in a steely, I can sharpen that knife so quick and so easy because I hold one steel and I hit the other one against it, you know. Did you know that if I am in God's hands and Peter is in God's hands and God takes both of us, and we're both in God's hand. Did you know that God can use one to sharpen the other? God can use him to sharpen me. He can use me to sharpen somebody else. Did you know God might use somebody else to sharpen you? You see, sharpening something means put a nice edge on it. So it's real sharp. You can cut a tomato. You can cut that cabbage or, you know, cut some bread or when it's got a sharp. It's not hard. It's when it's dull. You ever try to slice a real ripe tomato with a, with a dull knife? That's what happens to most Christians. They just squirt everywhere. Wouldn't it be neat if you allowed the Lord to use somebody else to help sharpen you? Well, see, God knows that that means you're going to have to bring some friction in your life. Things that goes against the grain. Sounds good already, doesn't it? So the Lord will allow people to come into your life and you will not always see eye to eye. But can God use both of you? He can sharpen both of you. So let the Lord do what he does best. He wants to sharpen the tools that he wants to use. And he knows that there might be somebody that's really, you know, real coarse sandpaper. And he may want them to come into your life because they can knock it off quicker. Now, he may have somebody else that's really fine sandpaper. Put a polish and touch upon you. You know the finesse work. See, God does all these things. All these things that we go through in life are lessons for us to learn how God deals. Look what he says here. In the bold, the old nature was born in sin, lives under the dominance of sin, dies in sin. Here's what I've done. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. You ever feel like, I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And I want to do something else, and I want to do the other. And I get mad, and I don't want to get mad. I got angry, and I didn't want to get angry. What's wrong with me? You're normal. You are as normal as can be. The great Apostle Paul, one of the greatest saints of all time, had that same problem, just like you. And he had confrontations with people that didn't always see things eye to eye. But should any of us get to the place where, you know, if life is just so hard, there's just so many conflicts, I'm just going to stop serving the Lord. You see, God hasn't done anything wrong to us. Never turn on God, because God doesn't do wrong. He allows things to happen in our life to sharpen us, to learn something, to sharpen our wits, to learn how to discern right from wrong better, things to say, things not to say. All this is so important. Uh, Let me show you very quickly. It'll just help you in your understanding of this. This is when we're born into the world, oh sinful nature. I was born with a sinful nature, that's why I am. A dog was born with a dog nature. You don't have to teach a dog how to bark. It just comes natural. You don't even have to teach a dog how to wag its tail. They just seem to know what to do. I don't know. They just seem to know. You don't see a cat doing like that. A cat, totally different. Cat acts like you owe him. (laughs) You owe me, and I'm the king. Bow to me. That cat, it's just like you're not there, and that... They're there, and the world revolves around them. Now, a dog, pretend like, you know, the world revolves around you. One likes to give, one likes to take, and, but that's the way they are. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you can keep both of them. I got enough things to do just worried about me without worrying about the natures of a dog and a cat. But whenever you trust Christ as your Savior, the Lord gives you a new birth. You're born now into God's family. This one is born of God. So you were born into the world. You don't mind if I use an example, do you? Here's Rosie. Okay, she's 19 years old, right? She's 19 years old. Okay, she has a flesh birth. When you look at her, you can see her flesh birth. right, today she trusts Christ as Savior. God gave her a new birth. This one is born of God. She's been born twice. But this one's only 24 hours old. Not even that. So she didn't get rid of the old nature. God just gave her a new birth. This one is born of God. And so she has within her these two births. And this one has been using this body for 19 years. And God says, now I want this one to use the body. And this one over here says, no, you ain't. And this one says, well, God told me to take and have dominion over the flesh, the body here. Well, I've been here longer than you have, and I'm in charge, and you do what I say do. And so is she going to have a battle? She's going to have a fight on her hands. And this one says, I'm going to go to church tonight. This one says, I don't want to go to church. You're going to stay home, watch Batman. So she has this fight that she's got to go through. And she came very close to doing that tonight. So you have these these two births, and there is going to be this battle. Now look down there at the next uh, scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. God has not removed the old nature or improved it, nor has God taken away anybody's sinful desires. So you still have the old sinful nature that you were born with. And so now you've got to learn how to deal with that. So these scriptures right here are very important to remember. So let's look at this. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This shows that the believer must walk in the spirit or he will walk or fulfill the works of the flesh. So you have these two verses. This one was born of God. This one, see, doesn't have a sinful nature because God doesn't have a sinful nature. You became God's child. In this one you have an old sinful nature. Got it from your mom and daddy and they got it from theirs and all the way back to Adam and Eve. So you got this war, this conflict that goes on. So he says, walk in the spirit. That means let the new birth be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now you don't see the Holy Spirit. You don't really even feel the Holy Spirit. We often say, no, I can feel it in my soul, but you won't feel it in the body but it's truth that you know. So as a child of God, God wants me to read His Word. So the Bible is God's Word, His mind on paper. The Bible is a love letter to God's children. So God says that if I will read His love letter that He wrote to me, I'll find in God's Word what He wants me to do. This is the Word of God. So in the Word of God you find the will of God. So if you want to do The will of God. What is your will? What do you want me to do, Lord? And God says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to think. This is what I want you to say. This is how I want you to live. So if you will let that control your life, then He won't control your life. So if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You still have all those sinful desires you've always had. Because you see, God didn't change this one. He just gave you a new one. Look what else he says here. For the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. The flesh is under the law and the spirit is under grace. And these are positional truths and I'll show you this in a minute. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. This is a list of all the things that a believer can commit if he walks in the flesh. All right, look up here. You have a new birth. You have an old birth. God says if you submit yourself to the will of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and walk after the flesh, this is what a Christian can produce in his life. Can a Christian commit adultery? Evidently, yes. Can he commit murder? Yes. You mean a Christian can do all those bad things? Yes. Before you ever get saved, isn't it true that you could do anything you wanted to do? Live any way you want? Well, of course. But if you trust Christ as Savior, you still get to go to heaven, right? Of course. That's why we tell people God can forgive you of all your sins. We ought to go to hell and we ought to pay for them, but he paid for all of them. So the payment He made was for all of our sins, and He gives us eternal life. Let's say, for example, here's a baby about to be born. But before that baby is born, the mother says, Now, little Johnny, before I let you be born, now you know I want you to do right. And the little baby says, Mom, I want to be born. I want to live, but I'm going to do and live any way I want. Now, can a baby be born and then decide to live any way he wants to live? Didn't you? Didn't most people born into this world, you do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. Think however you want to think. But if you told that child, you have to promise to be good before I'm let you be born. Now, he has a sinful nature. But if he could talk and reason. And he would say, oh mommy, you know I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'll be a perfect little boy. You ought to know, he's lying. <laughs> he's lying. Because he has a sinful nature. He was conceived in sin. which means with a sinful nature. He's born that way. So now when you trust Christ as Savior, you have a new birth, born of God. And so he says, All these things can be in a person's life. If the Christian walks after the flesh, you can bring forth the deeds of the flesh. And so God says that he is going to chasten you. Now, most parents, if they're good parents and they love their little darlings, when those little darlings act like a brat, mommy and daddy may have to do something about that. They may have to discipline, correct them by whatever means. But because their love for them, they disciplined them. Well, we can see that in the parental realm. Well, what about in the spiritual realm? You trusted Christ as your Savior, and yet you may choose to rebel against the Lord, and if you do, God is still going to chasten you and discipline you. And but He can never cast you out. He cannot unborn you. So once you're His child, you are God's child forever. And God may want you to be an obedient child, but you may choose to be a disobedient child. But there's consequences to your decision. So can you live as you please? Yes. Can you live as you please and get away with it? No. Because God loves you and he's going to chasten you. So understand that. Now if you serve the Lord, God is going to richly bless you. Go to page 2. As Paul Harvey would say, page 2. All the saved are under grace because you were born into God's family by grace. And to live in this world after you have been saved is grace. You did not do one thing to deserve the right to live in this world after you've been saved. That is an opportunity, the mercy of God, that God allowed you and me to live here after we were saved. Now, Paul made the statement, I don't want God's grace to be bestowed upon me in vain. This privilege to live for the Lord after I was saved. Because see, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God could have just took you on home. But He didn't. So He left you here because He wants you to serve Him. He wants to use you. It has nothing to do with your salvation. That's already been settled. That's a done deal. You're going to heaven when you die. But see, God left us here because God wants us to do some things for him. See, people have never seen God. But you see, they might see God through us. And that's why, see, God is good. God is wonderful. God is kind. God is loving. He's forgiving. He has grace and mercy. Well, if God wants to reveal himself through you to somebody else, then they must see the love of God through you, the forgiveness of God through you, the grace of God through you. Because see, whatever you do with individuals, it should be like, that's what God would do. Because you're letting what God is manifest himself in your body through you. When you see that, it's, it's like a light comes on. But if you don't, it's just words. It's just empty words. So we often say, you know, every man should be a channel through which God can work. So somebody wrongs you. Okay. You wronged God. What did God do for you? All right, now you do that for others. Ugh. I know you want to slap their jaws. You want to give them a Hawaiian punch. But God says, I want you to love them. Oh, boy. So up there, look at Romans six fourteen. For sin shall not have dominion over you unless you yield to it. But it's not supposed to and won't unless you yield to your old man, the old sinful nature that you have. And those desires are strong. So sometimes you wind up doing what you have the desire to do. But God said, I want you to desire to please me. And if doing the wrong doesn't please God, then love God more, so that you have the strength not to do that which displeases him. Love is a very powerful thing. Get to the next verse. He says, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Under the law is a positional truth for the flesh. Under grace is a positional truth for the believer. You see, when you were lost, you were under the law. That was your position in the flesh. The old man was under the law, condemned under the curse. You trusted Christ as your savior, now you're under grace. And because you're under grace, you can never be condemned. Because grace can't condemn. Grace shows kindness and mercy and goodness. So God says you're no longer under the law, and if you're not under the law, then it can't condemn you. And if it can't condemn you, you can never go to hell in the future. And so you're under grace. That is a positional truth that can never be changed. None of your actions from this day forward ever change that position that you have in Christ. It's just like if I was to be able to say, I'm going to adopt uh, Dan over here into my family. Sign the papers. He's now my kid. Now I can beat the tar out of him. I can give him all those whippings he needed. and should have gotten years ago, but it nobody did it. But I'm going to take care of this kid. But when does he become my kid? When I adopted him. When it's finalized. It's done. He's now mine. But I won't. I would not adopt him into my family. I mean, I might. But God has put us both into his family. Whew, got out of that one. Alright, now look at the next verse. Romans chapter 7 verse 1. He says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. So God's law has power. And since we're under the law, we're under its authority. It has dominion over us. It can tell us what we can and cannot do. Why do you think a teenager wants to get away from mom and dad? They don't want to be under their dominion, their laws, their laws. They want their freedom. It's just like a train saying, "You know, I hate being on these tracks. I want to go out across the plains, and I want to go into those hills. I want to go to places I've never been before. But if that train gets off the track, how far does it go? It won't go nowhere." That was the way my mother was. She was 14 years old. She was sick and tired of all the rules and regulations, laws made down to her. She says, "I'm leaving." I'm tired of it. I want my freedom. My dad came along. His name was Shine. He had a liquor still. He was a moonshiner. And he poured on his charm. He was 31 years old. Married my mom. Got her out of that house. Boy, she got her freedom now. She had six kids by the time she was 23. I don't know if she ever knew a day when she didn't have to wash diapers Clean, some little, you know, snotty-nosed kid. Boy, did she get her freedom. Oh, no. No, no. But see, whenever you say, I want my freedom from God, did you realize you're just like the train that gets off the track? It won't work. There's all kind of snares and traps out there. But if you really want freedom, serve God. Serve the Lord. Where the Lord is the Spirit, there's liberty, there's freedom. You see, God says, if you serve me, I want to keep you free from the snares of sin. See, there's all these traps out there. You can't see them because you're blind to them. So God says, if you'll follow me, I can walk you through the minefield. But if you just leave me and go your own way, you're going to be blown sky high. You're not going to make it. Because the desire for sin is going to get you here. The desire for sin is going to get The Bible talks about there is a, well, the devil. A lion. A roaring lion. Walketh about. What's he looking for? Seeking whom he may devour. There's a devil out there. And he wants to devour you. And what he does is he lures you. He offers you things pleasure, fame, honor, glory oh all oh, the boys like me oh, oh don't you just eat that all oh, the boys like me all oh, the girls just wo they just love this so much of man that I am you stupid nut oh these girls that's all you see is a hunk of flesh it's made out of nothing more than dirt. this body is six foot of dirt. Could the devil shape six foot of dirt in such a way that could cause you to lose everything in this world? Think about that girl. I don't care how beautiful she is. She can be put into a a telephone booth. Could God allow something so beautiful as a woman to be put into a telephone booth? No bigger than that. And would cause you to lose everything in this life for that? for a pile of dirt. Just because of beauty, things like that, you'd be surprised how many have gone astray. The lust for money, the lust for power. And then after a while, see they become an old man like Al. (laughs) And they've wasted their lives. And you one day you'll be sitting with regrets as you try to get that walker moving And you'll wonder, where did my life go? And you'll have all the regrets of all the things that you could have done for God. But no, the devil lured you with this, and he lured you with that. And you wouldn't listen to the Lord. But then you'd have wasted your life. Wouldn't it be better to make up your mind now? And you solve that one problem. I'm going to serve the Lord. And then you make all your other decisions as it relates to that. But if you don't make up your mind that yeah, you may be going to heaven, but you're not there yet. But as a child of God, yes, we should serve the Lord. But the Lord says, you know, when you were under the law, you were under a curse. So when you were under the curse, you had to die. So that's why everybody born into the world, we have to die. Because we've been cursed. We, we have a sinful nature. We're under a curse. we got to die. But when you trust Christ as your Savior, He removes you from the curse, you have eternal life, you go to heaven when you die. So yes, I'm under this curse, but at least I don't have to go to hell. One of these days, I'm still physically, I'm going to die, but to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'll be with the Lord one of these days. So, God's Word says, it's kind of like this. Here's a man, here's a woman. The woman is bound by the law, to her husband as long as he lives. She is not to leave her husband and go marry another. The man is not supposed to leave his wife and marry another. When one of them's dead, then the other one is free to get another one. Until death, do you part. But people don't always do the things they should, but because of sin and hardness of heart, there's consequences. So God says, when the man dies, the woman is free. She can marry again. So what he's saying is, when you were under the law, it's like a woman being married. But now, death has come. You see, Christ died and paid for my sins. So because I died, I died. So I'm free from the law. So when I'm free from the law, I can marry Christ. I can now commit myself to the Lord. I couldn't do it before because I wasn't free. I was a lost man. I was condemned. I had no freedom. When you're condemned and on death row, you see, you can't commit yourself to anyone. You can't promise anything. All you can do is die. But because of what Christ did for us, he gives us eternal life. And now I am free to serve the Lord. We have the freedom to serve Christ. So we talk about even freedom in our country. We want freedom. Freedom should be because you want to serve the Lord. Is that why people want to have their freedom in America today? That's not what they want. They want the freedom to live in sin. They want politicians to pass laws that makes whatever they do legal. They want to have laws that justifies taking little babies out of a mother's womb and murdering little babies because it covers the sin of a man and a woman, or some boy and some girl. It's to cover sin. It's to hide sin. It's not because it's a good thing or right thing to do. It's a wrong thing. It's a wicked thing. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's just wrong. God says, don't do it. Because you have trusted Christ as Savior, you're God's child. God says He wants us to serve Him. Now, I don't have time to get into the the big dissertation here on Amalek. But I have covered it before and you have the scriptures here and so you are going to go home and before next week you're going to look up these verses and you're going to study that because it's an illustration in the Old Testament about these two natures. Believe it or not. See in the Old Testament we have the stories. In the New Testament we have the doctrine. We see they taught by stories, we teach by doctrine, but we use those stories in the Old Testament that illustrates these truths. So that's why even with little children, you ever notice in Sunday school, little children love all those Bible stories. And isn't it amazing that it's just loaded with Bible stories? So you teach those kids those stories, but then you see there's a reason. Those stories teach Bible doctrine. So that's why it's so important. And God says in the book of Romans in chapter 15, He says things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Written for our learning. So that we can be wiser and make better decisions. So as you study the word of God, it should help you to learn to do right. To be disciplined. Look up here. Let this hand represent you and me and the wall that represents sin. The Bible says that you and I, all of us, have all sinned. So we're all in the same boat. God says that he loves us he just hates what we do wrong. So he loves us. And the Bible says for us to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God. But God doesn't want us to go to hell. He loves us wants us to go to heaven. Well, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. And there's no way we're going to make it. Because nobody's good enough to go to heaven. Going to church is not going to make you good. And keeping the Ten Commandments, you can't even do that. So how can a man get to heaven without this? You see, if I take sin into heaven, then there'll be sin in heaven and death in heaven and hatred and misery and all those bad things. Because that's the way we are here. What would make the difference? So God says, you can't come up here unless you're perfect. Well, that eliminates everybody in the world. Nobody gets to go. What Christ is talking about is this. You see, we ought to pay for our sins. And that's eternal separation from God in hell. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, see, he didn't have any sin. But his love for us caused him to take all the sins of all the world, and he paid for it in full. So the debt's been paid. The sin debt's been paid. And he came back again from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did that for us, he would put the payment he made to our account. And we get to go to heaven on what he did. We're not going to heaven because of what we've done, because we're good. See, I can go to heaven now because, see, all my sins are paid as though I never committed a sin. He paid for it. Mean, you went out to a restaurant to get a steak dinner and you paid for it? Of course you ought to pay for it. If you paid for it, I'll put it this way. I was getting ready to leave this morning. Mr. Polson says, we're going to get something to eat. You want to go with us? He says, I'm buying. I said, I'm going. (laughs) So we went down there and got something to eat. And you know what he did? He paid for it. You know when he paid for it? I didn't have to. No, I could have argued. Said, no, I'll pay for my own. But I didn't. I'm smarter than that. (laughs) I know something when it's free. So God says that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. And if we would believe that he did it for us, he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. I'm going to heaven because of his love for me. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now in the quietness of this moment? Or if you happen to be listening by internet tonight, I thought it was interesting. Last Wednesday night, we had about 7,000 hits on the Wednesday night service alone. How many people that means were watching? I don't know. I had somebody email me a letter. and says, Pastor Arnold, I thought you'd like to know that somebody, and they named some prison, some prison somewhere, it says the guy trusted Christ as his Savior. I'm going to email him back and try to find out who it is. But if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior right now, the best you know how, right where you are, say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross. I believe He died for me. And I'm going to trust Him, and Him alone is my only hope of going to heaven. And God said, if you would believe it, if you would trust Him, He would save you. If you've already done it, you don't have to do it again. But if you never have, why not right now say, Lord, I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. Anyone before we close say, yes, that made sense to me. I want to know that I'm going to heaven and I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. Anyone at all before we close. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. Help us to understand this. There is a great conflict in our lives, conflict with people. and Just sometimes things don't always go our way. Life gets hard and difficult at times. But Father, you said you'd never put upon us more than what we can bear, but always make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. You said in your word, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon me, upon you, and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Father, we just commit ourselves to you. We thank you for all you've done for us. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.